Um, all right, in the spirit of, of that worship, um, I'm going to have Pastor Doug Womble come up and share. And then I'll follow him. But um, just continue with that beautiful spirit of worship, praise, you know, lifting our hearts to God. It's healthy. It's why we're gathered together here this weekend. So um, he's going to come up right now from all of you. Most of you know Pastor Doug from Marlboro, and he's been coming to these rallies for um, hundreds of years. <laughs> it seems like that for after a while. But um, always glad to have him here, always glad to hear from him. So let's welcome him. Pastor Doug. Okay, um, wow, what an what amazing time. Um, I just saw something that, that touched me, in a, and I don't want it to be in a morbid sense, but I was sitting in the back here, and I was looking at this ball as it goes around, the reflection on this wall, and I had this thought. How many souls are going into eternity without knowing God? And I was looking at these things just going and going and going, and it was, wow, it was hard. But you guys, amazing job. So I asked God, what, what, do I, what do I share here? What do I say? How do you not interrupt the anointing? How do you not get in the way of the move of God? So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would bless the rest of this night that you would let this room know that you are here and that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I think of things, I seem to always think of illustrations as how I learn or how I understand things. Um, I love to be outside. I love to be in the wilderness. I love to hunt. I love those kind of things, and I have a rifle of mine, which is my favorite rifle. And when I travel, we uh, often go and fly in a plane and get dropped and get picked up many days later. So when you go, your equipment has to be perfect. So before we go, uh, my brothers travel with me, and we do this, I um, check things. So I went down to the range to prove my rifle and set it up, and I fired a shot, and it was a little high right. I thought, wow, that's unusual, and I took another shot, and it was far left. And I thought, am I getting old? Am I losing my ability here? I put it into a sled, and I fired again, and it was a different location. So I checked all the... the clips and the harnesses and uh, the attachments to the top of the scope and to the gun and everything was tight and yet every time that I would fire around it would go to a different location and what I found was that the inside of the scope had become detached now, it had lost its connection so it was free floating so it would aim wherever it desired. 
So even though I have put the crosshairs on the right location, they weren't on the right location. They were wherever it was. So essentially the weapon was untrustworthy. Really not of any value to me. And I started to think about this and I thought, in James, when it tells us an, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I thought, if I am, if I am this way and I think this way once and this way another way and, I, and I'm not consistent, how can I be of value to God? How can I be an instrument of God? I was going to have the girls come up and do a skit uh, for me, and I, I, I don't think it would be good now, but essentially what I was going to do is, is say, here we are after teen group, and one of the young ladies is like, hey, this is awesome, this is fantastic, uh, you know, you're so glad you're here. And then the next scene is the next day at school, and she's with a bunch of her friends, and the girl who just came to youth group comes over to say hi, and they like, later, get away from me, Right? How can we be an instrument that's used to be the delivery of the word of God and then at the same time be used as an instrument of Satan? We're unhinged. We're unhinged in our soul. We're unhinged in our body. And the only thing I could do with that scope, the only thing I could do is I had to send it back to the manufacturer because I don't possess the tools or the ability to fix it. It's beyond me. We have a creator that knows how to fix me. He built me. He made me. He made you. And he knows how to fix us. And he knows how to make that right. First John 1 John 1.9 is what I do is I call to my creator and I say I'm calling. Uh, excuse my voice. I'm calling to repent. I'm calling because I'm broken. I'm calling because I'm unhinged. And I can't fix myself. And I'm asking you to do so. This is where it starts in our life. This is where it begins. And then we have given an opportunity. And I want to ask you a question tonight. And this is a question that was asked of a young man that was given a great honor and a great responsibility in 1 Kings 3, starting in verse 5 and going through, I think, to around 11 or 12. But it was Solomon. And he was given the kingship, and the kingship was handed to him, and he was now going to make decisions for the land. And in a dream, God came to him, and he asked him this question. What do you want? What do you want, Solomon? I ask you tonight, what do you want? What is it that you want? And Solomon went into a conversation with God, and he said, You have been merciful to my father, David. You have been merciful to me. You have put me in this position. And he said, I don't even know how to come out or go in. In other words, how to go out to meet the people that are coming. I don't even know how to go out and stand in front of the people. I'm just a young man. I don't understand. Right? How can I know what I want? He said, well, make your mind. And he said, this is what I want, Lord. I want to be able to understand. I want to be able to judge 
what is good and what is bad. I want to be able to make a decision with for the people what is right and what is wrong. And I can't do that myself because I don't even know how to come in and go out. I need you to give it to me. And God said, because you asked that, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to protect your land from your enemies because you didn't ask that I slay your enemies. And I'm going to make you wealthy because you didn't ask for wealth. You asked for wisdom. So here we are tonight. Here we are in this place. And uh, we have fun. We do things. We meet people. But what do you want? What do you want from your life? What do you want from God? A nice marriage, a nice family, a sweet little picket fence. If that's what you want, then ask for it. But I say to you, there is so much more to have. Understand if I have wisdom and I know the truth, what happens in in, uh, Romans 8.32, if I know the truth, then I'm set free. If I know the truth, I can forgive myself. Because I know I'm forgiven. If I know the truth, I am not controlled by this world system or this wor- or this present time. In Ephesians 2, 2, the prince of the power of this world. I think Pastor Sturge said it so well in the men's thing this morning, that I am not controlled by my emotion. I am a man or I am a woman of God, and I know who I am, I know how I think, And I know what to do because I stand on a firm place because I ask God for wisdom and understanding. And instead of just wisdom and understanding, he gave me beyond what I could ever ask or dream. You might say, well, I can show evidence to the contrary. And I say, that's because you only have earth eyes. You have no idea what's really going on and what God's working in my life and in your life. And I wanted to just leave you with this challenge tonight and say, really, is this a joke? Is it some nice songs and a little bit of a feeling? Is that what you want? Is that your desire? There's souls going to hell. And we're worried about ourselves. We're worried about my feelings. I'm worried about offending. I want to go to my creator. I want him to fix me. I want to be precise. I want to be used. I want to change this world. I want to see people set free. I want to watch people going into eternity to joy and peace and not suffering. For such a time as this is what Esther said. Right? This is such a time. But maybe we're too concerned and too consumed with our present mindset to even be concerned of hearing God ask the question, what do you want? We need to have times that are quiet. We need to have times alone with God. And I can tell you, he does not want to just give you what you think you need. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to fulfill. He doesn't want just to be okay. He wants John 10.10. He wants an abundant life, a full life. 
incredible life. So like Pastor Love says, I've probably been coming to these camps longer, on probably almost double the age of 90% of you in this room. Right? So in this time, I have had an opportunity to watch and see young men and women that ask that question and got the answer. What happens in their life? Where are they now? Where are they 20 years later? What has happened in 20 years? And I look around the room and I see some of those that are here that answered the question. I want wisdom, Lord. I want understanding. And they sit here, and some of them are your leaders. Some of them are your pastors. Right? Some of them are missionaries all over the world. But more than that, they're people that know how to come in and go out. Right? They can come in and go out anywhere, any place in this world because God has given them the understanding of how to do it. Does that interest you? Does that touch part of you? Or is it just more words? I pray, I pray that you would think on these things. That you would ask and not be led astray in foolishness and emptiness and have to make that decision 15, 20 years from now while you're recovering from so many bad decisions. Take advantage tonight and be like Solomon and trust God. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Doug. Okay. Lord, we thank you for such a great time here tonight. And uh, thank you for those thoughts. And just thank you for your, your presence here, your spirit. Bless these, these thoughts now in Jesus' name. Amen. In the, the psalm that most of us are so familiar with. And yet at the same time, we don't really understand the depths of it. I'll I'll read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In verse 5, 
just to focus on this one verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's what our shepherd does. When the pressure is on, when the giants in our lives taunt us, threaten us, say to us, you'll never amount to anything. You don't have any value. You're not important. If you were gone, no one would miss you. That's when God steps up and says, in the presence of your enemies, I'm going to give you everything you need, not only to survive, but to successfully navigate the journey through life. We almost want to change verse 5 and and have it read this way. You prepare a table before me in your presence. But God does so much more than that. He says, no, I'm going to prepare a table for you right in the presence of your enemies. Right in the thick of life. When it's the darkest hour. When so much may be threatening your life. We, we would all love to be taken out of the furnace as quickly as possible, right? Yes. We would like God to hit the eject button when difficulties, pressure, challenges surround us. You know, just, just hit the eject button. Get us out of there. Deliver us. But you know what he says sometimes? No, you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to, you're going to stay in the presence of your enemies and I'm going to give you a table. And, and you know what it is? It's just, it's just a table for two. You ever go into a restaurant? It's a nice restaurant. The first thing they want to ask you is, how many? And if you're going with Someone, you say, it's just two. Table for two. And you know who's there? You are. Yeah. And Jesus is with you. One seat for you, one seat for him. That's so good to know when we're in the midst of a battle. That's so good to know when life overwhelms us and the pressures become so great. That's so good to know because we, we live our lives and we oftentimes, you know what we hear the sound of? We hear the sound of a roaring lion. Peter talks about the devil and describes him in those terms. Our adversary, the devil, walketh about like a roaring lion. And you know what? He roars But he is no lion. There is only one lion. That is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil can roar. He can make a lot of noise. But he is no lion. His roar is intended to do what? Intimidate us. Get us to back up. Get us to give up. Get us to shut up. 
always trying to intimidate. Wants you to feel helpless. Wants you to feel hopeless. Wants you to give in to every form of temptation that he brings into our lives. Wants you to believe that things are never going to change. Wants some young men who have opened the door to pornography on the Internet. He says to them, this is it. I've enslaved you. I've got you right where, you, where I want you. It's not going to change. Try, though you will, you're not going to be delivered. And that's when Jesus says, I've got a table for you. Right in the presence of your enemies. This is uh, a funny story about a brother, an author, a preacher, Louis Giglio is his name. He told the story about he and his wife. They were in London. He had been there for ministry work. They went to a restaurant. They sat down, just the two of them. But they sat at a table with two other chairs. And as they were enjoying dinner together, it was her birthday, Somebody came through the restaurant and noticed him. He had met him months earlier in Chicago. And as he walked by his table, he says, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's you. I was in Chicago. I heard you preach. We talked then. Do you remember? And he says, yes, I do. I remember you. He said, oh, my gosh, it's so good to see you. He says, I can't believe it. It's almost like God, you know, made this connection. We're in London. You're in London. I saw you in Chicago months ago. Here you are tonight. That's amazing. He said, oh, yeah, that's, praise God. It's good to see you. And the man left, and about five minutes later, he came back. And without asking, he sat down in one of the other chairs. And, and Louis was like, you know, a little bit surprised, and he sat down, and he, and he put his, you know, put his arms on the table, and he, Big smile, and he says, I can't believe that God brought us together like this. It's like a supernatural connection. And, of course, Louis is just thinking about, you know what? If this guy doesn't get out of here, my wife's going to kill me. And he, you know, he let him speak for a few minutes, but it seemed real clear to him that this guy intended to sit there with them for the rest of his night, for the rest of the night. So finally, he had to say to him, he said, listen, you know, it's great that we've been able to reconnect like this and let's do it in the future. But then he said this, hoping that once he said this, he would say, oh, well, have a good evening. He said, you know, but it's my wife's birthday tonight. And the guy just with a big smile says, oh, happy birthday. Almost thinking like, maybe I'll have a piece of the cake too. Till finally he just looked at him and he said, listen, you know, we would like to be alone. He said it was very awkward. He said, but he had to do it. The point and the reason why I shared that is because sometimes we're at that table alone with Christ and we need to be and we need that fellowship and we need that communion and we need to sense his presence. But how easy it is for the enemy to pull up a chair. Just to pull up a chair. And as soon as he does, oh, he starts to say things. The point tonight simply is this. Don't give the enemy a seat 
at your table. That's just a table for two. You and Jesus. He wants to pull up a seat. You say, well, how will I know if he pulls up a seat? (laughs) Any indications? Any tips? Yes. If he's at your table, before you know it, you're going to start thinking, I'm not going to make it as a Christian. I'm not going to be able to finish strong. I look around and I see other young people. They worship God. They have a hunger for the things of God. They read their Bibles. I don't do those things so much. I hear people pray and I think to myself, I don't speak to God as often as I should. And again, the devil says, yeah, and you know what? You're not going to make it. You're not going to finish strong. You're never going to be what God once intended for you to be. Why don't you just quit all this business about faith and and believing God? Just, Just give it up. You're done. You're more like a phony than you are the real deal. That's when you know he's taken a seat at your table. And then the shepherd steps in. And he said, listen. I'll get you through this valley. I don't care what the nature of of your trial, your test, or even your addiction is. I have the power to break it. It's not going to enslave you. You might think things are never going to change, but God says, when you have me in your life, you can expect change. You can look forward to it. You can believe me that I'm going to do it. You also know this, that when the enemy's at your table, you begin to think that there's something better at another table. You start looking at other people's tables. And the devil says, well, of course you should. They're having a great time. They're getting away, so to speak, with murder. They're living the good life. You're over here sitting at a table with Jesus. You should find yourself another table. There's more fun at that table. There's more happening at that table. There's more you can look forward to at that table. These are the things that he tells us. Don't buy these lies. There's nothing better in your future than Jesus. Let me say that again. There is nothing better in your future than Jesus. Believe that he has the best for you because he does. He's committed himself to giving you his very best. I love what Psalm 84 verse 11 says. No good thing will the Lord withhold from him or her who walks honestly, uprightly in truth before him. Nothing. If it's good, he's going to give it to you. If it's going to bless you, he's going to give it to you. If it's going to build your faith, expect it. Don't let the enemy pull up a chair at your table. Sometimes when he does, he whispers and says, you know what? You're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for God. He says, you don't matter. You've never mattered to anyone, especially God. God doesn't care about you. You don't deserve a table with God. You know what you're really like. You know the secret 
thoughts and intents of your heart. No one else here does, but you do. You don't even have a right to sit at a table with Jesus. He doesn't love you anymore. In fact, he even will go so far as to say this. He never even loved you in the first place. You're too far away from God in your heart. And there's no way for you to get back. These are the kinds of things that he whispers. God's answer, it's always the same. Listen, I prepared the table for you. And and I prepared it not after I vanquished all of your foes, not after I drove out all of your enemies. I gave you that table and I prepared that table right in the midst of your enemies. That's how sure God is that he's going to get you through to the end. That's how deep his commitment is to every one of us. He's put his name, God put his name on the line for every single one of us here tonight. And he invited you to that table. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Because he's the good shepherd. And the good shepherd goes so far as to lay down his life for his sheep. You mean everything. Listen to me as we close. You mean everything to Jesus. Basically, he has said, I can't live without you. And if it means dying for you so that I can live with you forever, I will do it. And he did. He's got a table. It's just for two. It's for you and it's for him. He's got the power. We don't. He'll always be faithful. We won't. It's that simple. He'll keep his promise. We usually don't. Take a seat. Right in the middle of your enemies. Fix your heart and your mind on him alone. I want to just read something that F.B. Meyer wrote. So good. I love it. Listen to this. He said, I don't believe in sanctification. He said, I believe in the sanctifier. He said, I don't believe in holiness. I believe in the Holy One. It's not an it, as some people relate to God. It's a person. It's not an attribute. It's Christ in my heart. And then he said this, abide in Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit in you keep you abiding in Jesus. So that when Satan comes to knock at the door of your heart, Jesus will get up and open it. And as soon as the devil see sees Jesus, he will turn tail. That's it. 
We don't even have to believe in sanctification just as long as we sit at the table with the sanctifier. We don't even have to believe or teach holiness as long as we are living in fellowship with the Holy One. God wants an audience of one. He wants you. He's got a table. It's just a table for two. It's just you and him. The devil will never stop. The enemy will never cease trying to pull a chair up to that table. You get to decide who sits at that table. He has no place. He has no right. He'll try. Don't give him a place at that table. Our God has prepared a table for us. That's just like, it's like God's way of saying, I know this world that you live in. I know how dark it is. I know how wicked it is. I know who's in control of it, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. I know what the troubles are like. I know what the the challenges are like. I know what the temptations and the tests are like. I know how dark the valley can be, but I'm going to get you through the dark valley. Goodness and mercy will never stop following you. And you'll get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever at the table that God has prepared just for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You've done so much for us, Lord. And we don't owe you anything. Accept praise. Accept gratitude. Accept the fruit of our lips, giving praise unto your name. Thank you. Lord, every time the enemy tries to pull a chair up to our table, Help us to remind ourselves that he doesn't belong there. Help us to reject all of his lies. Remind us at those moments of all of your promises, of just how valuable each one of us are in your sight and the price you paid to save us and to make us your own. Lord, we thank you for each one you brought here this weekend. We thank you for your presence, which we've sensed throughout the weekend and will continue to until we all head to our various homes and ministries. We're so grateful for each one that came. And we're believing that you've imparted something to each soul that's gathered here in the Poconos this weekend. Tonight, as we conclude this message, this part of the service, if there's anyone, anyone here tonight that's... Maybe, you know, maybe you've been a part of your youth ministry. Maybe you've been going to a church. But maybe you've never personally decided to make Jesus your Savior. Do it tonight. This is the perfect setting. This is the perfect time. God's prepared a table for you. He's waiting at that table. He's just expecting you to join him.
to be saved, to be born again is a simple prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, cleanse me of my sin. I believe you died for me. I accept the forgiveness of the cross. Come into my heart and live. If you said that prayer tonight with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're a believer, be praying for those that perhaps are not. And say, Jesus, come into my heart and live. Is there anyone? Just put your hand up, put it right back down. Anyone here tonight? You've never made a decision for Christ before. You're doing it tonight. Lord, thank you. Continue to bless our evening together in Jesus' name. Amen.